I invite you to turn over in your bulletin to page three. You'll find our scripture reading printed out there, as well as a brief outline of our of our message this morning. We've been studying the book of Ephesians as a as a church for for many months now, and we uh, we continue now picking up where we left off last week. We're still in the second half of the book of Ephesians, and and in chapters four and five recently, we've seen. Paul go through a very detailed list of various ways in which God's people are called to live out their new identity. What it looks like to to walk with the Lord in the specifics of daily life. Remember, Paul has put it in terms of things to put off and things to put on, like taking off dirty clothes and putting on clean. And he's, he's gotten pretty specific with us. And we've been looking at those specifics, put off stealing and put on giving, put off destructive words, and put on gracious building up speech, put off bitterness, and put on love and forgiveness. And then last week we looked at putting off sexual immorality and putting on purity and light in the Lord. And now here we are, where we've finished that list, and Paul uh, picks up where he introduced things on how that connects to who we are in Christ and the the salvation and the rescue that we have in the Lord. So let's look at our passage, and we're going to focus in on 8 to 14, but we'll we'll back up to verse 7 to to catch the introduction. Uh, As Paul's been talking about fleeing, putting off immorality, now he he turns uh, to, to, uh, to connect that more broadly. So let's listen to God's word, Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 7. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask for great wisdom, Lord, in the power of your Spirit, that we might understand your truth that we might hear your voice in your word and, and Lord, believe and trust uh, and, Lord, grow in Christ. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) When was the last time you found yourself asking yourself, Why? Why? Why in the world am I doing this? So there you are, you're you're plowing through your day, or maybe you're you're charging into a particular task, and you're you just kind of stop yourself and say, hold it, hold it. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Right? That's an important question. And how you answer it is important. Right, if, if you give yourself a really good why, well, then you get, you get excited about what you're doing. 
you, you charge ahead, you persevere, even if it's hard at times, with a good reason, a good why, well, you're motivated, you, you push ahead. Of course, if you don't come up with a good reason, you can't really give yourself a good why, then, then you start to get discouraged, and maybe you slow down, or maybe you just give up altogether when things get hard. That's true about any task, uh, any particular aspect to our day, but it's especially true about our walk with the Lord, uh, our everyday walk with Him. Not just uh, what we do on a Sunday morning, uh, but as Paul's been describing it, our, our daily walk, which is all to be done in following and trusting in the Lord. Right, That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all lived before the face of God. Why should I be doing this? Especially as we, as we get uh, now coming off of the list that Paul has given us. Right? This list of things that it, we're to do as those who, who are following the Lord. The, the kind of list we would, we would look back and say, oh yeah, 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 that's what Christians do. The things we named just a few minutes ago. Uh, things like, like speech that, that honors God, that builds people up and doesn't tear them down. Uh, not stealing, but instead giving. Uh, not being bitter, but instead loving and, for, and forgiving, uh, casting aside and fleeing immorality and putting on purity. You know, lists like that, which all of us would probably say, oh, yeah, 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 that's the kind of things that Christians do. Okay? But why? I mean, some of that's hard. We talked last week about the, the battle it is uh, to, to live this out. So why are we doing this exactly? And Paul knows that that why is important, which, why, which is why he gives us uh, specific reasons. And he answers and gives us the, the, the why of our walk. Uh, it's important because, because it's what will keep us motivated to, to persevere when things get hard. It, it's what will get us even excited and joyful, even about difficult things in following the Lord. But the why is also important to God. God cares about why you do what you do. It's not just, oh yeah, do the things that Christians do. Because, well, think, think of Jesus' relationship with the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees of Jesus' day? Now, remember how everybody else thought of them as, oh, these were the really holy people. You could, you could go back to the list we just named, uh, and, and everyone in Jesus' day would say, oh yeah, 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 that's what Pharisees do. Giving, not stealing, uh, uh, staying away from, from immorality and impurity. Uh, you know, go down the list. They would say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what Pharisees do. But Jesus was not pleased at all with the Pharisees. Because they got the why wrong. They got the why wrong. They were doing it for the wrong reasons, motivated by the wrong things, and it was not pleasing to the Lord. So the why is important. So why do we do what we do as believers? Well, when I look at this passage and notice two particular, very connected aspects of our, uh, the why of our walk. So the first one, we'll, we'll put it this way, as, a, as an action, as a, as a move forward, it's this, know your story and live your identity. Know your story and live your identity. So you get to the beginning of our Ephesians 5 passage, it connects to what we talked about last week, where Paul was talking about fleeing immorality, and then verse 7, uh, he says, don't become partners with them uh, in the sense of 
don't join them in immorality. Those who are already involved in it, don't join and jump in with that. With that, instead, keep, flee. <clears throat> and then he goes into the why, right? Why? Why engage in this battle? Whether it's uh, whether it's specifically for issues of, of sexual purity or Paul's entire list of hard things uh, that believers are called to do. Why do all this? Well, he, he gives the the reason in verse eight. For at one time. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Do you, do you see the why there? So it's, it's tied up with your story and your identity as a believer. Your story and your identity. Your, your story. Your, your deep down spiritual story. Now, Paul says, you were darkness, now you are light in the Lord. You were darkness. This is, this is all of us. This is you, me, all of humanity apart from Christ, apart from Jesus and his rescue. We are, by the Bible says, darkness. Notice Paul's language and how strong it is. It's not just that he says we were in darkness. He says we were darkness. And he explained it more, more fully back in chapter 2. Back in chapter 2, Paul was expounding on this, and you might might recall what he says. He says, uh, apart from being, before we're made alive in Christ, he says we were, one, dead in our trespasses and sins, so spiritually dead as we're, uh, as we're caught up in sin, spiritually dead. He says we were following the ways of the evil one, so the very path of darkness and, and the dark one, Satan himself, we were, we were just charged along that path. Uh, we were also doing, uh, we were enslaved to our passions, so ruled by, by our sinful hearts, enslaved to them. And then he can, gives his final uh, aspect of that. We were, we were under God's wrath, by nature children of wrath. Uh, right? Because if we are darkness, you could see how, how God's judgment is deserved. Because, well, the Bible says God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Right? He's all truth, all purity, and so as light, there's no darkness in him, and thus he cannot be with darkness, and he must judge the darkness as the, as the ruler and creator of all and the judge of all. Uh, and so ultimately, uh, apart from Christ, we're, we're now under, uh, under his wrath, but then there's the ultimate uh, wrath to come, which the Bible calls being cast into the outer darkness. That's us apart from Christ. We, we, we didn't just dabble in darkness, we were darkness. Spiritual darkness was our identity. Uh, so we first have to wrestle with that sad part of our story. That, that was where all of us start off. And so we need to bring it to mind, remember it, Paul wants us to rehearse it. Uh, if you don't know Christ, you're not trusting in him, then sadly, this is where you still are. I mean, join the club. It's this was all of us. You're in the club. Um, this was all of us. It's not like you're unique, but but apart from Christ, this is where we stay. But there is a rescue. The story isn't over for those uh, who have faith in Christ. Paul says, "We one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus." So the transition from darkness to light is not because we get our act together. Uh, no, Paul says it's all about 
connection to Jesus. Jesus. Think of Jesus and light. Remember how John's gospel described him? As the light of the world, right? The, the light in whom there is life, truth. And Jesus is that light as the eternal son and he takes on humanity and the light shines in the darkness. And there's his, his very earthly mission. Here is the, the light of the world shining in the darkness of our world, in our darkness, and he comes up close to live truth and mercy and grace and rescue. And you might remember how the story goes, think in terms of light and darkness, the climax of Jesus' work kind of surprises us from that, that point of view. Because the climax of his work is his death on the cross. And there you have the light of the world being engulfed in darkness. That's what the cross is. <clears throat> you might remember, even the weather reflects it. For those hours Jesus is there on the cross, dying, <clears throat> there is darkness that covers the land. It's an outward reflection of what's taking place spiritually. Darkness is engulfing the light of the world. Right? Why? Because, because he's a sinner? No, because of our sin. Right? He who knew no sin became sin for us. Right? He who knew no darkness is treated as darkness. And, and the outer darkness of hell itself is put on Jesus at the cross, not so he can be conquered by it, so that he can conquer it for us. He takes the, the, the darkness, that, the outer darkness, the hell that we deserve on himself so that all who trust in him there's rescue, and of course, you get that conquering of Jesus on the third day. He rises again, right? The light shining on the dawn of that third resurrection day. And in him, that's what we're connected to. And we're transformed connected to him, right? And once you were darkness, Paul says, but now you are light in the Lord. United to Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you. Uh, our side of it is by faith. We grab a hold of Jesus. That's how we experience it. But it's really the, the spirit grabbing a hold of us. We're, we're connected to Jesus. And so that everything that he is, light, that now becomes our identity. That becomes, that becomes who we are and how we're treated before the Lord. We were darkness, but now that's gone if you're in Christ, trusting in him. You're light in the Lord. That is your new identity. It's your forever identity. It will never change. It's your deepest core being, your deepest forever identity. You are light in the Lord, the Bible says. And that's your story. That's your story. And you didn't do anything to achieve it. It's all about what God did for you in his son. And Paul never gets tired of telling that story, not only because it's our our hope and our and our salvation, but also because it's then our motivation and joy in living the Christian life. Because Paul says, okay, you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Act like those you already are. You already are light. Now Paul says, just walk like it. Uh, it's, it's our identity that then flows into our activity. Uh, that's, that's what the Christian life is. It's being who we already are. Our identity that then flows into our activity. 
why, why would a mom stay up all night with a sick child? What if you asked her the next morning, why in the world did you do that? Right? All night, you know, sick, messy kid. Why would you do that? Well, she probably would look at you funny. And then maybe say something like, yeah, that's just what moms do. Identity flowed into activity. Now, it's not the staying up all night that made her a mom, right? Yeah. One of my kids could stay up all night. That doesn't make them a mom, right? It was God's gift that made her a mother, but then that flowed into the activity, right? So the activity doesn't create the identity. It's the identity that then flows in to the activity. And that's the same with us. You following that, that list, oh yeah, Christians do that. Doing that stuff, that doesn't make you a believer. No more than staying up all night makes you a, makes you a mom. Right? What makes you light in the Lord is God's gift. But then, as, as one who is light in the Lord, we, we strive and lean on God to, to walk as children of light. Oh yeah, that, that, that's, that's what we do. Lord, help us to do it. And you can see how, how that then flows into the, uh, the, the, rest of, the rest of the passage. Paul saying, uh, yeah, of course this is what we do. We struggle with it, but we can say, if, yeah, that just makes sense. That just makes sense. And, the, you know, you, you could have uh, conceive of uh, a mother who, who just ignored a sick child, didn't, didn't care for them during the night. That's possible. Uh, but but we would all say, yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense, right? That, that, that's not right. It just doesn't make sense with who they are, right? Is it possible for a believer to dabble in darkness? Sure. Do we still struggle with that? Yes, we do. But we say to ourselves, yeah, but that doesn't make sense with who we are. And so you see how that flows out into the rest of the passage. Paul says, well, verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. You know, we say to ourselves, I'm light in the Lord. Okay, yeah, so I'm not going to take part in, in unfruitful works of darkness. That doesn't make any sense. Lord, help me to do it. Uh, or or verse, uh, verse 12, where it talks about we shouldn't even speak of those things done in the darkness. Again, it makes sense, right? If that was the old life, if that's, if that's truly darkness and now I'm light, Lord, I, I don't even want to talk about those things that have to do with darkness. Lord, help me to do it. Uh, or, or we want to see now darkness exposed, uh, as opposed to joining in it, right? We want to see the truth of God and the life and rescue of God shine in all the dark places of our lives and all the dark places of our world. We want to see the, the darkness exposed and transformed by the light of Christ. And so, and so we even pray, Lord, help me to do that in my own life and in, in my world. We have this expectation that God's going to bring good fruit Right, and so verse 9, he talks about the fruit of light is what is good and right and true. Right, if you already are light in the Lord, we expect God to bring about fruit of the light. Right? We expect God to bring into our lives those things that are good and right and true. Lord, make it so, we pray. Um, so you, you see, it's our, it's our identity 
that then flows into our activity. Uh, it's our story that motivates our action. Again, verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Why do we strive and battle to walk in God's ways? Because of our story. Because of, of our, the gift of this new identity in Christ. But our, so that's part of our motivation living out our story, living out our new identity. But there's another aspect of the passage, or another aspect of our, our motivation, our why, that shows up in our passage. As we'll see, it's connected. Uh, but it's, it's, worth, it's worth talking about in a little bit of depth because it's, one, something that could confuse us. Uh, it also is something that could scare us. But it's also something that the Scripture talks about quite a bit. Uh, and that's being motivated by a passion to please the Lord. Being motivated by a passion to please the Lord. So uh, see if you can see how this, how this comes out of our passage. Verse 8, walk as children of the light. And then little side in verse 9. Then verse 10 kind of picks up. Walk as children of the light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Or actually more accurately, walk as children of the light discerning what is pleasing to the Lord, finding out what's pleasing to the Lord. <coughs> In other words, part of what drives us as believers is we want to do the things that are pleasing to God. Now, that could be confusing and we could get that wrong. Uh, so we need to be really careful about what we mean about striving to please the Lord because we can get it wrong, and you get it wrong, you lose the whole gospel. So we'll try to be really careful about what we mean about striving to please the Lord. And we can't give up on this one, because actually, by my count, something like 20 different times in the New Testament, uh, the gospel, or the, the writers of the New Testament, some 20 different times, instruct believers uh, to be motivated to seek out what pleases the Lord and to do what pleases the Lord. Some 20 different times. So we can't just get rid of this one just because it's a little confusing and might be, uh, might, we might get it wrong. But let's be careful to get it right. Maybe this will help us get it right. When it comes to pleasing the Lord, think Mother's Day, not job interview. Okay? When it comes to pleasing the Lord as a believer, think Mother's Day, not job interview. Okay, so job interview. You desperately need this job, right? To survive, to, to move ahead. You need this job, and you get the interview. Out of all the applicants, you are called in. Come before the boss, and you're driving there, and you're just hoping, praying that you can please the boss, right? Because please the boss, and you're hired. Don't please the boss, kick to the curb. And so you're thinking, what's going to please the boss? What's going to please the boss? You're hoping that everything on your resume is exactly what the boss wants to see. Uh, you're hoping that every answer that you give is exactly the things that are pleasing to him uh, or her. Uh, maybe you get a little test in the midst of the interview process, a little tryout in, in grad school. We always knew when they were hiring a new faculty member, because all of a sudden you'd have a number of different individuals who would come for guest lectures. And at the guest lectures, all the faculty would show up and pay really careful attention, right? 
It was a tryout. This guy's got one chance to see to show that he can teach, to show that he knows his stuff. Right? Go. Uh, job interview. Right? If I if I do a good job, if I do the right thing, show that I I, I got it, pleasing to the to the boss, to the one who's doing the hiring, then you're in. So when it comes uh, to to striving to please the Lord, don't think job interview. Think Mother's Day. Mother's Day. There's also that aspect of doing what's pleasing. Kids, let me ask you. Do you remember Mother's Day? It was just a couple months ago, right? Mother's Day. What did you do on Mother's Day? Think about what you did. Maybe you got a little help from Dad. Uh, What did you do on Mother's Day? You probably tried to think... What does mom like? Let's do that. Uh, so maybe you're thinking, mom loves salad. Let's make a salad. Mom loves the house being clean. So let's pick up our toys. Let's run the vacuum cleaner. Something like that. And of course, ideally, that wasn't just Mother's Day Sunday. That was Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Uh, but you thought about what was pleasing to God, to, to, to mom, let's do that. But it wasn't a job interview, was it? Right? The, the Mother's Day theme is not, if I do a really good job, then I get to be a son or get to be a daughter, right? It's not a, it's not a tryout. It's not an interview for the position of son or daughter. No, you already are son, daughter. In fact, if it's a good, healthy family, you're very secure in your status. You are assured that your mom delights in you and loves you. But in a real way, that makes you all the more excited to do that which is pleasing to mom. Right? Mom likes salad. Let's make a salad. You're excited to do it. Okay, you start to see the connection? Um, Or, so, not job interview, Mother's Day. If we were to translate it into even more biblical categories, it's interacting with God, not as our judge, but as our father. This is what we're thinking as we, as we interact and try to please the Lord uh, as believers. Interacting with God, not as our judge, but as our father. Not because God isn't a judge. The Bible says he absolutely is. It's just for the believer uh, that... The judge has already rendered his verdict. God has already done his work as judge in our lives. If you're a believer, God has already banged the gavel and declared the verdict. It's done. And it has nothing to do with what you do. It's all to do with Christ. It's not that you put together a really impressive spiritual resume and and God's, and God was impressed. No, 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 no. Actually... It's Jesus who has the perfect spiritual resume that God accepts on your behalf. Scripture even says our spiritual resume really stinks. Right? Remember that, remember that passage from Jeremiah that even our, even our best works are as filthy rags in God's sight? Right? So not even talking about the worst of the worst, and there's a lot of those moments, but the best of our best days, Right? As in, uh, you know, trying to impress God. Even our best are stained and filthy because they're stained with our sin and our fallenness. So even our best isn't acceptable to God. Uh, And this is why uh, 
Jesus interacting with the Pharisees. Remember he told that story about, about the Pharisee who tried to interview with God? Right, going before God, oh, I thank you, I'm not like this lousy tax collector better than him. Do you note that, God? And he, remember, he lists all the other things that he did. Oh, I fast and I give. And, you know, in other words, here's my spiritual resume, God. Aren't you impressed? But Jesus said that guy didn't walk home justified, right with God, judge accepting him. He wasn't hired because even with the best of our best, uh, we, we fail before the Lord. Um, right? So here is God is our judge. How are we accepted? Not because we put together a great resume, but because Christ is the one with whom the Father is pleased. Remember, God even said that. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So God is pleased in his Son, and then Christ dies for our sin and gives us his righteousness. We get his spiritual resume. So quite apart from what we're done, God accepts us. The judge bangs his gavel and says, righteous in my sight, forgiven, huh. child of God. Right? So the judge has done his work, and it's not based on our resume. So as we think about our activity, our, our efforts to, uh, to do what's pleasing to the Lord, our Christian activity, it's not a job interview. Remind yourself of that. If you're in Christ this week, whatever you do for God, whatever you, and, and really all of it is, should be for God, right? whatever you do this week, it's not an interview. It's not you trying to impress God, giving him your resume so that he might accept you into the family. You're in the family. You're not interviewing for son or daughter position. You are son or daughter. So not job interview. Well, like Mother's Day. You're secure in your status in Christ. You have already been given this gift of son, daughter. And now... What is mom like? Let's do that. What is the father like? Let's do that. And you're excited and motivated to do that which is pleasing to the Lord. And it won't be perfect. It won't. Uh, we'll, we'll still have our work stained with sin. Only actually now, God looks at our efforts, our works differently. You do realize that. As believers, that verse from Jeremiah doesn't apply anymore. Right? Your best works in Christ are not filthy rags in God's sight. Because now, those works, uh, as, you, as you strive to do them, uh, to, to honor God and weak, yes, of course, imperfect, yes, but now they're acceptable and pleasing to God because they're in Christ. Let me, let me just quickly give you what, how the Westminster Confession summarizes this uh, for believers. Believers being accepted through Christ, their good works are accepted in him. God looking on them in his son is pleased to accept them. Now, yeah, you're still imperfect, but now because you're in Christ, you're a son or a daughter, God accepts those works in Christ. He's pleased to do it. So this is, this is the equivalent of the, the Mother's Day meal that the kid makes, right? 
mom likes salad, let's make a salad. And the kids do all the work getting the salad together and serving it to mom, right? If you took that salad and served it to Chef Gordon Ramsay for judgment on the cooking show, he would say that salad is awful. But mom doesn't. Mom loves that salad, even though it's not quite perfect. Why? Because this is an in-family. This is the equivalent of our efforts uh, to try to follow God, pleasing him, because they're in Christ. Apart from Christ, yeah, filthy rags, but in Christ, connected, they're purified. It's like, it's like that Mother's Day meal. I love it, the Father says. And that should excite us and motivate us. What is, what is mom like? Yeah, let's do that. What is, what is the father like? Let's do that. And so, and so you notice there in verse 10, Paul says, uh, we, we try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Right? What is the father like? Let's, let's find out. This is why we study God's word here every Sunday. It's why you, you have a Bible and you can read it day by day. Let's find out what pleases God, what pleases the Father. Let's do that, right? Not because you're, God is conducting a job interview, remember? God the judge banged his gavel for you, believer. It's done. It's settled. But as a son, as a daughter, as a child of light, did you see the connection with verse 8 uh, and, verse, and verse 10? Right? Where you had that beginning of the passage, right? You were darkness, now you're light in the Lord, children of light. Now you discern what is pleasing to God. So it's not trying to be a child, you do you try you do what's pleasing. It's because you are a child that you do what's pleasing. Mother's Day. Interacting with God as your father. Not just on one day, but Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. What is the father like? Yeah, we need to do that in him. So we should be asking, why exactly am I doing this? Without it, we're not going to be very motivated. And without it, we're not really honoring God. Right? Some of Jesus' harshest words were for the Pharisees who did some of the right things with the very wrong why. But with a biblical motivation, a biblical why, and we've just touched on two key parts of it. There's more, but these are two key parts. Man, the Christian life, still hard, uh, but now it's more joyful, more fruitful, more exciting. We rehearse our story, and we know our identity. Through Christ, God has made me light. I'm going to walk as a child of light. Lord, help me. Through Christ, we are in the family. We're not interviewing. And so we can say, let's find out what pleases God. Let's do that uh, this week and be excited about it. And it's all, it's all in Christ, right? We, we should do none of this trying to get into the family. So if you don't know Christ... Your solution is not try harder, it's run to Jesus and know his rescue. And then in Christ, everything changes. Light, child of God, and the activity just flows out from there. Let's pray together. 
Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your, your goodness and your care for your people. Thank you for your, your rescuing gospel. Encourage us with it. And Lord, enable us, filled with that good news, uh, to, to walk this week as children of light, uh, to do that which is pleasing to our Father, uh, even in Christ, who has done that final work for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.